Uh, good to have you here today and, and share in this time of worship. Uh, all of you on Facebook uh, who are there with us, uh, welcome, and uh, uh, let's, let's, let's get into God's Word. We're going to be uh, continuing the series that I started a few weeks ago because, called The Short Letters of the New Testament. We're taking a look at uh, the, uh, the various small little books, as you see on the screen here, uh, Titus, Philemon, 2nd and 3rd John, and Jude, little teeny books. Some of them are just one chapter. Uh, a few verses. Sometimes we might skip over them and not even, as we're going through the Bible, not even see them because they're just one page. Uh, but uh, we're going to stop and take a look at, at some of them uh, during this series. And today we're in the book at, of Philemon, the book of Philemon, the way to a man's heart. Uh, it's a tiny little book in the New Testament. It was the shortest of the Apostle Paul's letters. Um, just one chapter, only 25 verses. Uh, Philemon, uh, the man, is a a, a personal friend of the Apostle Paul, uh, a brother in Christ uh, to the Apostle Paul. Um, Unlike the book of Titus uh, that the Apostle Paul also wrote, um, uh, while it was addressed to the man Titus, uh, it was, uh, Titus was was really meant to be read by others, not just Titus, and and was was very much... uh, uh, to the point in the teaching that Paul had f- for that letter. Um, Philemon was, however, meant to be an appeal exclusively to the man Philemon. Um, it has been included in the New Testament because it, it has, uh, God meant for it to be there uh, because it has some valuable lessons uh, that, uh, that every one of us can benefit from. Uh, but originally it was meant just for Philemon, and you'll see why in just a moment. The book of Philemon was likely written by the Apostle Paul during his first imprisonment in Rome. Uh, He experienced two imprisonments. The second one he never was released from, uh, but this first one he was. Um, It was written around the same time that that he wrote his letter to the church at Colossae. Uh, We call it the book of Colossians, that letter. Now, both of these letters were delivered at uh, likely at the same time by a, a man named Tychicus. Um, and uh, we read about that in Colossians chapter 4, verse 7. One, one of the letters was delivered to the church at Colossae. The other uh, was delivered to the man Philemon, who uh, apparently served at that church in Colossae. And Colossae is a, an area in what is modern-day Turkey today. <clears throat> the letter to Philemon concerns a runaway slave named Onesimus, who belonged to Philemon. Now, slavery was a a big part of the Roman Greco culture of the first century. Uh, As much as, and this was was astonishing for me to read, as much as two-thirds of the population at that time were slaves. More than half of the population uh, were slaves uh, back in that day. Uh, unlike our own uh, history, early history here in America, slavery of the first century was not exclusive to a certain race of people or group of people. Um, the Roman slave often came from the spoils of war. Uh, when the Romans would conquer uh, a country, they would force the people of that country to, into slavery, which could include many different races and kinds of people. Um, many slaves of the Roman world sold themselves into slavery. Uh, interestingly, uh, they were known as bond servants. 
being a slave or a bondservant in the first century was a way for a person and his family to survive during that time. If you were free and poor, uh, your chances of survival were very difficult um, to just make ends meet and have food to eat. So many saw no other way to provide for themselves and their family but to sell themselves into slavery. You, you may notice that the New Testament doesn't talk much, if any, about the system or the institution of slavery. Uh, while Paul's letter uh, to, the, to Philemon does urge Philemon to give Onesimus his freedom, uh, there are no passages in the New Testament calling for the abolishment uh, of this cultural institution that existed at that time. The New Testament now never endorses it, never promotes, never makes excuses for slavery. Uh, you would never get the idea from the New Testament that slavery was a good thing uh, at all. But you also never see an outright condemnation of the institution of slavery. Now, in our minds, you know, that might seem like a huge piece, missing piece of the New Testament teaching. Uh, you know, we all agree today that uh, slavery is a horrible thing, and it should be condemned unconditionally. Hundreds of thousands of people lost their lives fighting in a war over 150 years ago here in America to end slavery here. Uh, yet the New Testament is silent in addressing, the, again, the institution of slavery in the first century. Now, the reason for that, that silence, is clear. Uh, while it may be difficult for some in our modern culture to understand, uh, the New Testament is not a source of ways to promote social justice in society. Uh, the message of the New Testament is to promote spiritual justice among mankind. Uh, Jesus came to free us from sin, not from social injustice. Um, Jesus didn't come to stamp out corrupt governments or to promote a clean environment or to save the polar bear. <laughs> um, uh, now, now, Jesus is, he hated corrupt, corrupt governments, and I'm sure Jesus was very much in favor of a clean environment, and there's no doubt Jesus loved polar bears. Uh, he created them, uh, after all. Uh, Jesus came for one reason, to save us from our sin. That was his primary goal. Uh, that was his first priority. Because no matter how rich or poor you are, no matter whether you are a slave or free, no matter whether you are among the elite or the peasants of a society, without Jesus, you are lost for eternity. You are eternally separated from God, and, and there is no social status, there is no racial privilege that can save you from your sin. Only Jesus can save you from your sin. <clears throat> Living in a culture where everyone is treated equally and with dignity is important, and of course it's desirable from all of us. Uh, and America is one place on earth that makes that a priority. In fact, I would, I would argue that America is a place where equality is a priority because of people who follow Jesus, because that's what Christians do. You know, whenever you love someone like Jesus loved them, uh, you're going to value them like Jesus valued them. 
Uh, and Jesus, you know, it, it, equality is going to be a natural result that comes from people being like Jesus. Uh, and that doesn't come from government legislation, uh, it, but, but just people who follow Jesus, loving people like Jesus loved them. That brings the kind of equality that we all want among each other. But when it's all said and done, what truly matters in life is the status of our relationship with God. Because that is a relationship that will last for eternity. You know, countries and cultures come and go. There's been thousands and thousands of them throughout history. Uh, some of those countries and cultures are pretty good. I, I would say America is a pretty good country. Uh, some of those countries and cultures are horrible. Uh, we can think of many examples through history. Uh, while we as Christians live in whatever country or culture we live in, we need to sow the love of Jesus everywhere we go, where, as we live in that country or culture. We need to sow it in the schools and in government and in the marketplace, wherever we find ourselves. Just be like Jesus, and things are better. But all countries and all cultures are temporary. That's the nature of them. A relationship with God through Jesus determines where we, where we will spend eternity. And that's why the New Testament primary focus is on spiritual justice, not social justice. And that is really the message in, in Paul's letter to Philemon. Spiritual justice for a man named Onesimus who happened to be a runaway slave. The letter begins in the normal first century fashion. Let's read verses 1 through 3. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our dear friend and fellow worker, also to Apphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church that meets in your home. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So here, as Paul opens his letter to Philemon, he identifies himself not as an apostle of, of Christ, as he often does in his letters, emphasizing his authority to speak on behalf of Christ. But this time, he identifies himself as simply a prisoner of Christ. You know, likely, as I said, Paul was writing from the city of Rome as he was in house arrest. Now, in this first imprisonment that Paul was in, he wasn't in a dungeon like we might see in uh, the Ben-Hur movie, uh, but, uh, he was, he, but he was in, literally in chains in house arrest with a soldier guarding him as he was awaiting his appeal before Caesar uh, on charges against him because of his uh, serv service to Jesus, uh, being a servant of Christ. Timothy, uh, as, as we may be familiar with, the, uh, the evangelist Timothy is also with him. But Timothy's not a prisoner. He's just, um, he's just with Paul. In this house, house arrest situation, people could come in and out and visit Timothy, even, even stay with him, and Timothy was doing that. Uh, the letter is addressed to, again, fellow servant of Christ, Philemon, and also uh, a woman named Apphia, who uh, many think uh, may be uh, Philemon's wife, and Archippus, possibly Philemon's son. So maybe, maybe written to the whole family. Uh, Paul also addresses the church in Colossae that meets at Philemon's home. Uh, back in those days, they didn't have church buildings and, 
and campuses like this, uh, uh, most of the time you met in somebody's home, and apparently the church there was meeting in his home. However, it is very clear as you read the letter that the real audience of this letter is meant to be the man Philemon. So let's continue, verse 4 through 7. I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers because I hear about your love for all his holy people and your faith in the Lord Jesus. I pray that your partnership with us in the faith may be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. Some kind words there, aren't they, from Paul to Philemon. Paul begins his remarks to Philemon with an appeal to Philemon's heart by emphasizing the many great qualities of Philemon's character as a Christian. You know, often as Paul addresses a church or a person in one of his many other letters, uh, he doesn't beat around the bush uh, about the issue that he's addressing in the letter. You know, when Paul sees a problem in many of his letters, he just addresses it uh, uh, right head on with the authority that's given to him as an apostle of Jesus. Uh, as we saw last week in the book of Titus, uh, Paul addresses the problem uh, that, that that letter dealt with uh, of divisive people that existed in the church. Uh, people, he said, were focusing on unprofitable and useless arguments. And Paul attacked that issue directly in the letter of the book of Titus. He said, warn them once, warn them twice, and then if they continue to be divisive, have nothing to do with them. Uh, Titus chapter 3, verse 10. You know, sometimes the best way to address a difficult issue is to just attack it head on. Don't beat around the bush. Don't, don't, uh, don't, don't uh, just go right directly to it. But other times it's better to take a more subtle approach. You have to sort of weigh the, the situation. Uh, I think Steve was sort of talking about that in Sunday school this morning, the way we uh, address things. Uh, sometimes it's better to, to take the subtle approach, appealing first to the heart before you address the issue at hand. And so that's what's going on here. Paul is about to ask Philemon to do something that needs to be done, but he wants Philemon to do it not because uh, he has to or because uh, the Apostle Paul orders him to do it, but he wants Philemon to do what needs to be done because he's compelled to from his heart. In other words, he wants him to choose to do it because it's the right thing. So, you know, you, you could say that, that Paul is sort of buttering Philemon up a little bit here at the very beginning before he makes his request. Uh, Paul speaks of, of, his, of, of his constant prayer for Philemon, his thankfulness for Philemon's love for the people and for his faith in Jesus. You know, he says, I'm, I'm so thankful that you're such a faithful servant of Christ, Philemon, especially for your tremendous love for all those who follow Christ. And that's going to be important as he, as he says these things to Philemon. It's going to be important as he starts talking about Onesimus in just a moment in the letter. Paul prays that Philemon will, will have a, a deeper understanding of what it means to share in Christ. Uh, Paul recognizes the tremendous love that he sees in Philemon and how, how that refreshes other fellow, fellow uh, Christians. 
Now, these compliments that he's given Philemon are genuine. He's, he's not just making them up, and he's not exaggerating them just to, you know, to get on his good side. Um, but he is pointing out the godly traits that Philemon will need to remember when he does address the situation that is at hand, uh, that he's about to discuss with him, about his runaway slave, Onesimus. Now, perhaps you, you've had a conversation with someone before about a touchy issue that, that, you're, that you need to talk about. And maybe you've started out by saying something like, now, now you know, I, I wanted to tell you something, okay? I want to tell you something, but before I do, I want, I want you to remember what you said last week, you know, about how we need to forgive people that have hurt us. Remember we talked about that and you were just talking about how important that is? You know what? You were right about that. You were right about the fact that we need to forgive people You've, you know, you've always been a forgiving person. I've always noted that about you. Uh, just like you, we always should be. I've always admired that about you. So I want you to think about that, all that you've said, when I get ready to tell you something here. <laughs> when I tell you what happened. Uh, you know, sometimes it helps to be reminded of what our Christ-like response has been or should be. You know, before we react to a challenging issue that we're getting ready to learn about. Uh, like bad news or a disappointment or uh, a wrong that was committed against us. Philemus, uh, Philemon probably has wondered, what in the world happened to Onesimus, my slave? You know, where in the world did he go? He just disappeared one day. Why did he run away and abandon his commitment as a bondservant? You know, he had committed a certain number of years to serve, to serve for me, and he just left. Well, Paul is about to tell him what happened to Onesimus. So before he tells him, he reminds him of some of uh, Philemon's strong Christian values uh, that he has. Let's, let's continue, verse 8 through 11. Therefore, although in Christ I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, yet I prefer to appeal to you on the basis of love. It is as none other than Paul, an old man, and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus, that I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he has become useful both to you and to me. All right, first Paul tells Philemon what, what he... Uh, what he is not about to do. You know, I'm not, I'm getting ready to tell you something, but I'm not going to order you to do it. You know, I'm not going to order it because I could as an apostle, uh, but I, I'm not going to do that. But here Paul wants Philemon to understand that, that he's not ordering him to do anything. Rather, he wants Philemon to be moved to do it out of love. You know, you know the kind of love, Philemon, that you've been known for? <laughs> In the past. And, and then he says, you know, Philemon, think of me, not, not as some authority figure, some apostle. I want you to think of me as just a wise old man who just happens to be also a prisoner in Rome, uh, who has been blessed uh, by, I've got a new spiritual son, Philemon. His name is Onesimus. <laughs> Onesimus. 
a man who became my son while I've been here in chains in Rome. Now, okay, here, here Philemon reads in this letter for the first time what this is all about. You know, what, why is he saying all these good things about me? This is what it's all about. His runaway slave, Onesimus. But hopefully Paul's opening words have helped prepare him to hear this. Interestingly, Onesimus, the word or the name Onesimus, means useful. That's what, it, that's what the word means. The ancient Greeks loved to use uh, play on words to make a point in, in their teaching sometimes. And, and it seems like Paul is using Onesimus' name to make this appeal to Philemon. When Philemon thought of Onesimus, probably lately, he may have thought of someone who was useless. Onesimus was useless. You know, maybe because he ran away. Uh, maybe because maybe Onesimus wasn't that great of a servant before he ran away. Uh, Philemon uh, didn't have warm feelings for Onesimus in the first place, maybe. So Paul takes this opportunity to tell Philemon of the change that he has observed in Onesimus since he has been with him there in Rome. Maybe he was useless before, uh, but things have changed now with him uh, since he has known Paul. He has, Paul says, he's become my spiritual son since then. In other words, Onesimus has become a follower of Jesus. Now that has changed him from the person that he was. Christ has transformed him, Onesimus, into someone who is very useful to me, Paul says. But also to you, Philemon, he can be and will be useful to you, too. You know, one of the wonderful things about becoming a Christian is the way that it can change us. How Jesus can transform us into a blessing for people. It doesn't matter who you are or where you come from. It doesn't matter whether you are a slave or a free person. It doesn't matter if you are a rich person or a poor person. It doesn't matter whether you're a drug addict or some greedy CEO in a big company. It doesn't matter if you're the guy at work that everybody avoids because of your hot temper. You know, it doesn't matter if you're a neglected parent. You know, if Jesus can get control of your heart, you can be transformed from a troubled person that hurts themselves and others into someone who is a blessing to others. You can be transformed from being useless to being useful in the kingdom of God. And that's what happened to Onesimus. Now, Onesimus broke the law when he ran away. Um, uh, and he abandoned his commitment that he had made to Philemon. Uh, again, maybe before that, he was not a very good servant anyway. Uh, now, maybe he was dishonest. Maybe he was lazy. Maybe he talked back to, to, to Philemon all the time. But somehow, when he ran away, he found his way to to Paul in Rome, wherever he was staying. Now, he likely had met Paul when Paul was in Colossae, or maybe he just heard about him, heard people talking about the Apostle Paul all the time. Maybe he knew that he was in house arrest somewhere 
in Rome. And he sought him out. He sought Paul out and found him. And, and, and Paul was, was able to have, as I said earlier, he was able to have regular visitors. So, so, so it was okay for Onesimus to come and visit him. And when Onesimus found Paul, Paul welcomed him and immediately treated him as a wayward and troubled man who needed Jesus in his life. And Onesimus became a Christian over time as he spent time with Paul. And that changed his life forever. God's grace that is free to all people, to all people, uh, people who are, are, are without Christ and, and need uh, 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 salvation, uh, even a slave. Jesus is for everyone, given to Onesimus. Je- Onesimus was freed from his sin. Just like Paul and Timothy and Philemon back home, just like they were forgiven of their sins when they accepted Jesus, so was Onesimus when he made Jesus the Lord of his life. And now Onesimus had the same hope of eternity that anybody else who knows Jesus has. And so Paul wants Philemon to know that this changed Onesimus. Whatever he was before, he's changed now. Listen to Paul's description of what happened in verse 12 through 16. I am sending him, Onesimus, who is my very heart. He came to love him very much. I'm sending him back to you. I would have liked to keep him with me so that he could take your place in helping me while I'm in chains for the gospel. But I did not want to do anything without your consent so that any favor you do would not be, seem forced but would be voluntary. Perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back forever. No longer as a slave, But better than a slave, a dear brother. He is very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a fellow man and as a brother in the Lord. This man has become my heart, Paul said. I just just love him. And I'd love for him to stay with me for a little while while I'm in prison. You know, Paul couldn't get out and just run down to the store and and get his own food. Uh, uh, He had to depend and... You know, the Roman prison system didn't have cafeterias that they fed the prisoners three times a day. You had to get your own food. And so he needed help while he was there in change. And he would have loved to have kept Onesimus there with him as his brother and and helper. He's very dear to me. He's a fellow brother in the Lord. Now, things are different. I just want you to know that. I want you to know that, that as I'm sending him back to you, Not as a slave, but as a brother in Christ. And having said all that, here here is what it's all about in verse 17. So, if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. That was what this was, all the buttering up was about. (laughs) Verse 17. All the reminding of who Philemon was, was about verse 17. Philemon, will you please welcome Onesimus back just as you would welcome me. He's a brother in Christ now. And you will see that he is a different man than he was before. 
Jesus has made him different. And then Paul sweetens the pot a little bit here. Verse 18 through 21. If he has done, any, done you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. Uh, I will pay it back. Not to mention that you owe me your very self. I do not wish, brother, that I may have some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I ask. Okay, may, maybe, you know, Paul's thinking, maybe, maybe he stole some money from you when he left. Uh, maybe he took something with him that didn't belong to him. Uh, look, if he did anything like that, Paul says, I'll take care of it. I'll take care of it. Uh, I'll pay it back. Don't you worry about it. Don't let that affect, don't let what he did before affect the way you receive him. Besides the fact that you, you sort of owe me anyway for your own salvation, Philemon, you know. Uh, if it weren't for me, you wouldn't know Jesus either. Just, I'm just saying, I'm just saying. <laughs> In other words, as, as your spiritual father, Philemon, for me, for me, please accept Onesimus back unconditionally unconditionally it's the christ-like thing to do refresh my heart in christ by doing this and then he adds then he has no pressure here then he adds uh you know what i'm not even worried about it because i know i already know you're going to do it in fact you're going to even do more than i ask no pressure on philemon there with those those, those last comments so you think onesimus accepted uh do uh, you think Philemon ex- accepted Onesimus back? I think he did. <laughs> I, th- I think he did. Great story. A great story. But it's a personal letter to Philemon. So what has it got to do with you and me? What has it got to you, do with you and me? Well, let's, let's think of some take-home things that we could, we could apply to our lives. I got four things here. Maybe you could think of some others, but I got four. The first one is Forgiveness. Forgiveness. You know, Onesimus was forgiven of his sin when, sins when he accepted Jesus as his Savior unconditionally, unconditionally and completely. You know, just as Paul's sins were forgiven, just as Philemon's sins were forgiven when they accepted Jesus as their Savior, so were Onesimus's. So, were, so are anyone's sins forgiven when they accept Christ as their Savior. Um, and, and forgiveness goes both ways, doesn't it? Uh, Ephesians 4 verse 32 tells us that, you know, we need to forgive others as God, as Christ has forgiven us. You know, God calls you and me to forgive those who sin against us and who, who do things against us. Just, just as we have been forgiven of all of our sins, we've got to be willing to do the same thing to others. And no doubt Philemon forgave Onesimus for any wrong that he had done. Forgave him and welcomed him as a brother in Christ. And we must be ready to do the same. So forgiveness. Secondly, we're all equal in Christ. All of us are equal in Christ. You know, while cultures try to separate us into different groups, into male and female and black and white and brown, I mean, we're, we're, we're all, we got to be in our little groups and, and, uh, and, and be separated. God doesn't do that. God only sees a precious soul that he loved and died for. That's all he sees. And, and whoever you are, and that's the way we need to look at people as, as well. We're all precious souls in the sight of God. 
Um, all of us need Jesus uh, in our lives for our forgiveness and for our eternity. So, you know, let, let's learn uh, from that. Thirdly, Jesus can transform us, any of us, from being or feeling useless to being or feeling useful. Yeah, uh, to being an important and useful part of his body, the church. You know, every Christian, as we read in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 27, and that whole chapter, every single follower of Jesus is a part of the body of Christ, is a part of the church. None of us can say, well, I'm not, I'm not a member of the church. I'm not a part of the church. If you're a Christian, you are a part of the body of Christ, and the body of Christ all works together because we all have a role to play in that body. We all have a mission to fulfill. We all have a job to do. The, the, the thing is, we've got to find what that job is. We've got to seek that job. We've got to volunteer for, for jobs that need to be done in, in the body of Christ. Uh, Onesimus soon discovered his role in the body of Christ. Uh, and maybe, maybe he already knew it because maybe uh, it was helping Paul for a little while. Now he's going to go home and, and do what needs to be done or what is needed back home in Colossae. All of us uh, have a role to play in the kingdom of God. There's no Christian that can say, well, I'm just useless. I'm useless in the body of Christ. No, no matter what your age, no matter whether you're male or female, no matter who you are, there's a role to play. Uh, And so ask God to show you what that need is that you can fulfill in his church. We've got some some possibilities for you right now. Uh, out on the counter out there, we, we need some folks to help out with uh, communion meditation team or the greeter team. We need a leader for the greeter team. I think there's three people on both lists right now, and, and some of them are the same on both lists. <laughs> uh, so, so consider being a part of one of those teams uh, today and, and signing up for those. Uh, we're going to try to... to regroup and and, uh, and 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 reorganize our youth team again we we have kind of shut it down for the for a while because of covid but we're we're going to re-engage with that if you're interested in helping out with youth in any way um uh talk to me after come up i'll be up here after service come come talk to me about that uh that would be a place where you could get plugged in uh, immediately with uh with the body of Christ. So we all have a role to play and we all can be useful in the body of Christ. And the last thing is this. Prime your heart before you react. Prime your heart before you react. Paul primed Philemon's heart. I called it buttering him up, but maybe the better word is prime your heart. Reminding ourselves of who we are as followers of Jesus. That's That's what Paul did for Philemon. Uh, and, and that made it much easier for him to, to then do the right thing when he heard the news. Because he didn't just have a knee-jerk reaction. What? Onesimus is wrong with you? <laughs> he got reminded of some things that, that he needed to be reminded of first. And then his reaction was better. You know, if, if we will remember who we belong to, uh, we, will be, we will, will be much more likely to make wise and godly choices. Uh, in the way that we react and the way we behave. So remember the passage we talked about last week in Titus, Titus 3, verse 8, 
when Paul said, and I want you to stress these things, and these things is, you know, the fact that we're Christians, that we're followers of Jesus, that we're saved by God's grace. I want you to stress these things so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. These things are excellent and profitable for everyone. It's so much easier to do what is good when we remember who we belong to. And doing what is good is good for everyone. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for this, this little short letter that you, that you called your Apostle Paul to write to Philemon so many years ago. Some great lessons can be learned from it. Just, just to, to know that you know, people had issues with each other and back in those days, and, and uh, you know, they had emotions that they had to deal with, and uh, they had things they had to think about, uh, choices they had to make on how to react. Um, and uh, we we're so thankful. We trust that, that Philemon uh, did make that right choice. And, and uh, we, we pray that, that as we think about this, as we think about this letter in Philemon today, uh, that we'll just regularly remind ourselves of who we belong to. And when we think about who we belong to, uh, when, when we face issues, challenging issues in our lives, we can make wise choices and do what's right. Uh, and so I thank you, Father, for this lesson. Help us to always be ready to forgive those who have hurt us uh, as you have forgiven us. Uh, and uh, help us to find our place in your kingdom uh, because we, we, there's a place where we can be useful. Help us to find where that is and, and begin to serve you. Thank you, Father, for uh, your love through Jesus. And we ask all this in his name. Amen.